you don't take a professional approach to cybercrime or to cybersecurity, I always say that's like bringing a spoon to a gunfight. You're, you're, you're toast 10 times out of 10. You're listening to the Small Business Mastermind, a podcast created to help small businesses juggle business, finance, health, and wellness. I'm your host, Morgan Berna. To subscribe to the podcast, visit olympiabenefits.com slash podcast. The Small Business Mastermind is brought to you by Olympia Benefits. To learn how you can reduce your health and dental costs, visit olympiabenefits.com. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Small Business Mastermind. Today marks the start of our month-long feature on cybersecurity for small and medium-sized businesses. On this episode, we talk about the shifting landscape of cybersecurity, why small and medium businesses are so highly targeted, how at-risk our personal data is, what impact COVID-19 has had on our personal security, common mistakes businesses make, and more. Our guest, Dominic, does a great job of taking topics that can be relatively complicated to understand and making them easy and fun to learn about. It's a really fun episode, and we get a lot of really important advice on this one. So with that, I hope you enjoy it, and I'll be checking in with you again at the end of the episode. Welcome, Dominic. We're going to start talking today about cybersecurity. We're doing a couple episodes about cybersecurity. This first one is sort of an overall defining terms, what people need to know. Uh, And then in our next episode, we'll go into some more to do's and a little bit more detail. So thank you very much for joining us. Absolutely, Maury. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Let's have some fun here. (laughs) Yeah. As founder and chief strategist at CyberSC, Dominic Vogel holds a proven track record within cybersecurity across multiple industries. Dominic actively participates in the Vancouver security community and is a well-respected cybersecurity expert who appears on media news outlets across North America and internationally on BBC World News. Dominic is highly regarded as a cybersecurity thought leader and was recently appointed to the BC Provincial Cybersecurity Advisory Committee. Dominic focuses much of his energy on providing strategic security leadership to technology startups and small to mid-sized businesses to proactively solve their cyber risk challenges. He strives to provide practical cybersecurity advice to his clients and is actively turning the security consulting world upside down. So let's start off just defining our terms. What is cybersecurity? Oh, that's a very good starting question. (laughs) So especially when we're talking about small, mid-sized businesses and organizations, cybersecurity is really about protecting the data and the underlying systems that your business uh, relies on in order to compete in this day and age. If you think about it, the average company, uh, they use computer systems. They use data. Uh, If the confidentiality of that data or the availability of that data isn't protected, your company is going to stop operating and you'll, you'll be losing money. You know, that protection, that's cybersecurity. Fantastic. And how at risk is our data and why? Well, you're really asking these good questions off the top here. I, was, I thought I was going to ease my way into here. No, <laughs> uh, no easing yeah. in. We jump right in here. <laughs> the, 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 and, and again, you know, when we're, when we're talking uh, about, you know, Data and uh, especially when we're, we're thinking about this from the outside looking in, cybercrime has become one of the most, or actually is the most profitable 
uh, crime across the world. It recently surpassed the drug trade as being the crime of choice for criminal syndicates across the world. Wow. You know, we're in this we're in this day and age now where we're up against professional criminals. You know, this isn't uh, how like it was 15, 20 years ago where you were dealing with, uh, you know, 16-year-olds or pissed-off teenagers. Uh, you know, we're very much dealing with criminals and dealing with professionals. And if you don't take a professional approach to cybercrime or to cybersecurity, I always say that's like bringing a spoon to a gunfight. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're toast 10 times out of 10. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, and, and and you know, to, and I just realized I didn't actually answer your question, so let me continue. Uh, in terms of the <laughs> in terms of data, data is very much the commodity which drives organizations and drives businesses globally. Uh, it's very much the the lifeblood of, of of every company. You know, if you don't have access to your data, um, whether it be your client data, customer data, company data, um, you, you know, your your business halts. And um, I, I was I joke, you know, I always say, you know, unless you sell tacos out of the back of your mom's Volvo, you are in a company that deals with data. And we live in the digital economy. And thanks to COVID, we live in a very virtualized workforce as well. You know, data is paramount to, to everything that we do. And what and uh, whether that be uh, sensitive company information, so that could be like research and development, that could be proprietary information, that's monetizable. Criminals can steal that and if you lose access to that, they'll say, well, you have to pay a ransom. You know, that's ransomware, extortionware. You know, in order to regain access to that, you have to pay them maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars in virtual currency. Uh, or it's if you have personal information stolen. So every business that has payroll, you know, you, you keep the person's social, your employee's social insurance number, financial information. That's all stuff that's referred to as PII, personally, personally identifiable information. If you lose that or if that gets stolen, you have to declare a privacy breach. You know, and then you have to talk to your privacy commissioners, both at the provincial or federal level. Uh, and that unearths a whole can of worms as well. So data is very centric to everything that we do. And criminals know that they can monetize that. Um, so you know, we, we have to protect it as the valuable commodity that it is. Yeah, I think I've grown up in this age where I'm so used to giving my data out pretty willingly online that I don't really <laughs> often even think that much about it. That might be more of a generational thing, but it's a good point that it's a huge commodity. Well, absolutely. And you know what? I don't even say it's a generational thing. I think we've all become conditioned to, if you want to use an online service, it seems like you have to give out all sorts of uh, personal information even to gain mm-hmm. access to it, even if it's just uh, something with you know funny cat memes or something. You know, you always seem to have to put in your username, uh, username password. Um, you know, someplace they want your date of birth. Why do they want that? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and I think what's important, and I think from a consumer perspective, what we're going to end up seeing is greater consumer advocacy around data security, and this is why it's so important for SMBs to invest in cybersecurity now. Right now for SMBs, cybersecurity is either not important or it's just basic table stakes. In the near future, I'm going to say probably in the next five to 15 years, uh, hopefully sooner, uh, it's going to become a, sense, a, a source of competitive differentiation. And sort of the analogy I was like giving is if you follow what happened in the automobile industry. So back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, Cars, I mean, long before either you and I were ever, <laughs> ever born, but uh, <laughs> cars were inherently unsafe. You know, they, they were death traps. Uh, and it wasn't until the late 80s and early 90s when car safety became more important. And that was because of consumer advocacy, mainly stuff that was driven in the U.S. by Ralph Nader. And you fast forward to today, if you watch a car commercial, 
what are they competing on? You know, they're talking about safety crash ratings. They're talking about all the cool blinking lights that pop on uh, to give you a warning if someone's in the lane next to you. They're all competing on safety. It went from being something which wasn't important to being table stakes to now being a source of competitive differentiation. I very, very much view cybersecurity taking that same trajectory uh, in the SMB space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've worked at companies that both have a very robust cybersecurity team and then ones that have nothing at all. Uh, haven't seen a lot in the middle, <laughs> but it's a good <laughs> point that it is something that people need to be investing in. Yeah, it's it's right now, like you said there, Morgan, it's, it's either feast or famine. Either companies are doing it uh, and they're making a, a consistent effort for it, or they're just, you know, being willfully ignorant of it and choosing to ignore it. <laughs> mm-hmm. there's, there's no middle ground. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that our phones or our computers are typically more at risk? Ooh, um, <laughs> boy, using my brain really hard on a Friday afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Whose idea was that? No, uh, um, that, that's a, uh, it was my idea, but no, <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. And r- right now I would say that, and again, it, it the answer is that it, it, it kind of depends. If we're looking at this through an SMB lens, generally speaking, it's going to be the you know the laptops, the desktops, the workstations, how people are engaging with their uh, with their work. The smartphones and tablets. There's there. I would say there's more of a risk from a personal perspective of maybe having you know your your personal email account hacked or, or something along those veins. But because of the uh, and we're seeing this increasingly happening now because of COVID and people working from home or working from anywhere, you're seeing more and more this blend of people using their personal devices for work purposes uh, or vice versa. Uh, and now I think you're going to see that that um, uh, more threats, or let's refer to this threat uh, equality, shall we say, in which the threats are, it doesn't really matter what device you're on, they're all going to be um, sort of part of that broader threat landscape. And I think something that like COVID here has served as an accelerator in that regard. Absolutely. So I wanted to ask about what some of the things are we're protecting ourselves about against, sorry. And I'd noted down, we have, you know, there's viruses, phishing, malware, ransomware, social engineering. Can you talk a bit about these terms, what they mean, and what exactly we're protecting ourselves from? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and again, when we look at this through the lens of, a, of, a, of an SMB, um, really, and I mentioned this point uh, earlier, what we're trying to protect against right now mainly is the confidentiality of your data and the availability of your data. So one of the most uh, common, the most pressing cyber risks or cyber threats right now facing Canadian SMBs is ransomware. So ransomware, and I sort of alluded to it earlier, that's when your IT systems get completely locked up. You're not able to access anything. Uh, you know, blinky lights and the big red screen uh, comes out on all the systems and says, you know, your data has now been and systems have now been locked down. In order to regain access to your data, you need to pay $10,000, dollars in virtual currency, often in Bitcoin, to be able to regain access to uh, your systems or to your data. And, you know, it's priced in such a way in which uh, the majority of SMBs feel compelled to pay for it because it's paying it is often cheaper than trying to recover it or trying to do the right thing. <laughs> and by the right thing and why SMBs are more targeted when it comes to ransomware than, let's say, larger organizations or enterprise organizations is because the majority of SMBs do a very poor job 
of protecting their data and backing up their data. Really what ransomware is exploiting is the availability of that data. And they know that the majority of these SMBs, the, the most important data is just on the staff or employee laptops, or it's backed up onto someone's external USB drive, which is connected to the, to the CEO's laptop kind of thing. That type of architecture is ripe <laughs> for ransomware. And that's why mm-hmm. ransomware just literally runs amok in the SMB space. And I kid you not, you know, when we're, when we're prospecting and then again, I, I work mainly with SMB clients, our, our organization uh, focuses exclusively on, on SMBs. I hear from so many business leaders in the SMB space saying, you know what, we think it's cheaper for us to just keep paying the ransom than it is to do cybersecurity. And as a cybersecurity professional, I can't tell you. I mean, that's that's like I, you've never seen my eyes roll into my head faster than yeah. when <laughs> when people say that. And but the thing is, it, it's a very prevalent thought right now. And again, it goes to show you how misunderstood uh, data security and cybersecurity and cyber risk is mm-hmm. uh, within the SMB community. And that's why it's so important to be able to leverage platforms like this to help educate the SMBs uh, across this uh, country, across Canada, to inform them that, you know what, cyber risk is one of the most pressing risks facing organizations, big or small, right across the world. And the World Economic Forum consistently, for at least the past three or four years, has consistently said cyber risk is the most pressing risk facing organizations globally. You need to deal with this now. And the other sort of additional wrinkle to this uh, is that, you know, when if you if when we're watching the news or anytime you see a d- big data breach story, um, you know, uh, Morgan, you know, you'll you'll see on the news uh, like uh, Life Labs or yep. Desjardins or or in the states Home Depot or Target or Equifax. It's always big companies that get the attention when it comes to data breach stories mm-hmm. in the mainstream media. But the truth of the matter is that if you look over the big data breaches over the past twenty plus years, all the big enterprises that suffered a data breach, they all survived. What people don't talk about is that data breaches and not taking cybersecurity seriously for SMBs, that's a very much an existential threat. It's an existential risk because if you get hit by a data breach and you're an SMB, on average, that can cost hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. The average SMB doesn't have hundreds of thousands of dollars laying around to deal with it. Um, So it, it can very much mean the very end of your organization, the very end of your business. And that's something which I, I very much want to impart on the SMB community. Again, not trying to come from a place of fear, mm-hmm. but just from a place of the fact that it just it is not well known that cyber risk is an existential threat. And it only stands to reason. We live in an age of digital transformation. We live in an age of a digital economy. Uh, it only stands to reason that if you're not protecting the digital world uh, or your digital business world, you're, you're opening yourself up for, for tremendous failure. And how how prevalent is the ransomware, and where is it coming from? Ransomware is, is very very prevalent. You know, and again, it, it's it's hard to get accurate statistics because um, there is no overarching um, regulatory measures that say you know if you get hit by ransomware, you have to publicly report that to a public body. Uh, so you know, much of it is is just guesstimate uh, by various analysts and um, anecdotally from what I've seen as well. I would say upwards of three quarter, uh, uh, three quarters, or seventy five percent of all Canadian SMBs have been hit by ransomware, and uh, fifty around fifty percent, if not more, uh, are forced to pay a ransom because they were not ad- adequately prepared to deal with ransomware and to recover from it. 
and what's even more startling is that 40% of them pay the ransom a second time because even after going through it once, very, uh, very rarely do they say, okay, we survived this. What do we need to do to make sure this doesn't happen again? You know, and I'll share a story with uh, about a prospect that we had, uh, and you know they were sh- the, the the CEO um, of the uh, of the company was telling me how this business was built by her husband uh, and from the 1960s, uh, and how they you know it became a, a, a family company. And after he passed away two years ago, she took it over. You know, knowing nothing about business, and she told me that they were hit by a massive ransomware attack, and it knocked the company offline for months. And she told me that they uh, they came within a day or two of shutting down the company, and then so when we're talking about about all this, I said, well, you know what, you, you need to learn why that happened. Let's do some root cause analysis, and you know we'll lay out a strategy in terms of how you can improve your security, cybersecurity capabilities. And then when it came to dis- discussing pricing, um, you know, uh, and we we uh, put down our quote, and she said, oh, you know, I, I was thinking we could maybe do this for maybe five hundred bucks a month. And I said, you know what? Let me get this straight. Your husband's uh, company, your husband who is now deceased, and you're continuing his legacy. You're telling me the company that came within a, uh, a day of shutting down, a company that's been around for fifty plus years uh, because of lax cybersecurity investment. You're telling me that's worth five hundred dollars? And she said, Yeah. And I said, You know what? We're on completely different oceans here. We can't yeah. help you. And uh, that's the problem right now is that prevalence, that cybersecurity and cyber risk is something that SMBs do not need to worry about. And the truth of the matter is if any sector needs to worry and should be sweating, it's the SMB community. The v- vast majority of cyber attacks globally are focused on the SMB community. Again, the reason being is that the SMBs have not traditionally invested in cybersecurity. Yeah, more vulnerable. The larger organizations over the past 30 plus years, they have hardened down uh, in terms of cybersecurity. It's now much harder to break into a larger organization. And cyber criminals know that, but it's it, what they see as low hanging fruit. It's sort of the example I give as well is let's say in your neighborhood there's you know 100 cars, and let's say um, of them, 70, 70 of them make sure their doors are locked. The 30 of them, other thirty, well, the criminals are just going to keep hitting those until they, those people learn to lock their doors at night, uh, and that's very much the problem that we're seeing in the SMB community when it comes to cyber risk. And it's interesting that you mention it's so much more prevalent because I feel like when I was younger, you know, I grew up using LimeWire and uh, completely destroying family computers. <laughs> that takes me back. <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> But I remember I would download a song and then completely destroy absolutely everything on the computer. And it felt to me like things were less, like less bad now. Is it just like it's sneakier? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it it's certainly different than the days of LimeWire or Napster. Uh, I remember using Napster and just, just uh, like you said, they're just, just destroying my computer. <laughs> just stopped working, you know. And uh, I mean, things are definitely different. And there, there, there's... there's um, Safer, more secure alternatives now <laughs> for accessing movies True. and uh, and uh, songs and what have you. Uh, but I think what's what's still prevalent though is what I referred to as a 1995 mindset. And you know, when when we're prospecting and we're talking about cybersecurity, 
some of the more common roadblocks and what I refer to as myths, prevailing myths that we run into. Uh, you know, we'll hear people, SMB leaders, you know, people who own SM, uh, businesses, people who are executives in the SMB space, saying, "Oh, you know, we have antivirus, and we know to not click on the uh, you know the Nigerian prince scam, so we don't need to invest in cybersecurity." And I always sarcastically say, "You know what? That's great. You know, you guys have 1995 level security. Bravo." I'm not sure when you last looked at a calendar, but it's 2020. You know, and my sarcastic approach is rarely endearing, but uh, that's that's <laughs> just the uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the way I I, I deal with um, dated thinking. And uh, but the thing is, it's so prevalent still. And another prevalent myth is is when um, executives say to us, "Oh, our that's that's up to our IT guy or IT manager. You no, know, that's that's why we have an IT service provider, or oh, that's why we have cyber insurance." And again, those are all myths, and those myths drive me nuts because when it comes to you know at least focusing on trying to outsource cybersecurity, you can outsource the operational aspects of it, but again, at the end of the day, the risk and I always say cybersecurity is a, is a discipline of risk management. That risk as an executive that still falls on your shoulders. It's up to you to do the right due diligence, to have the right oversight, to do the right governance, to make sure that risk is properly mitigated. In the event of a data breach, your clients, your your shareholders, your customers, your vendors, they're not going to say, oh, this was your IT service provider's fault. We're going to come after them. No, they're going to come after you, and they will be merciless uh, in that pursuit. You know, that, that, that other level of thinking of in this day and age with cyber insurance, I can't not tell you how many times I've heard, oh, we have cyber insurance. We're good. We're covered. We don't need to worry about cybersecurity. Hmm. That doesn't make any sense. And these are coming from people who allegedly know risk management. That's like me saying, oh, I have fire insurance, so I'm going to throw a bunch of dry wood around in my house and walk around playing with matches and disable all the smoke alarms. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Right? Like, it does not make any sense. Uh, so that's, like I said, there's so many prevalent myths and that's why we, like I said, why cybersecurity um, just uh, is still very much a, a prevalent problem in the SMB community because we're holding on to dated thinking. Yeah, you really don't want to have to use your insurance typically. Well, no, and, and, and back to the it being a risk management di- discipline. Uh, to, to insurance, when done right, you, your insurance is about insuring against the residual risk. You know, you still need to take steps to reduce the inherent risk and whatever you can't mitigate then you can insure it. But that's the residual risk. And that's after you've done something. Absolutely. Is there a simple way you can explain how people are getting this data and then being able to hold it ransom? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and that's a really, really good question, Morgan. And the, the in the simplest non-technical terms, why that happens and why it's successful for a couple of reasons. One is that the majority of SMBs have very lax uh, what I refer to as user access controls. And that really means that anyone who works in a company can access any file or any any data within the organization. Um, that's not a good principle when it comes to, uh, to security. Good data security means uh, following what's referred to as the principle of least privilege. And that means that per any user role, people should only be able to access what they need to access in order to perform their job. They shouldn't have access to, you know, payroll unless the files unless they absolutely need to do that for their for their job um and when you're if you have everyone has 
access to everything, you're increasing the likelihood of something like ransomware or data theft. You're increasing the likelihood and the impact of that happening. Um, and the other core reason is that the majority of SMBs run uh, outdated either computer operating systems or unpatched applications. So we, I've seen so many companies that still run Windows XP or Windows 7. These are all systems that are no longer updated. They no longer receive security updates. Uh, or they're running applications like Adobe Reader or a Google Chrome browser or their Windows operating system, and it hasn't been hasn't received security updates in years uh, or months. And uh, the, these these security patches are important because that they they basically protect against vulnerabilities. And if the more vulnerable or the more vulnerabilities your your systems have from a technical perspective, the easier it is for someone to break in. Again, the analogy I'll give is. Let's say, again, you live in your house, uh, or, uh, and if you leave your front door open and the windows on your first floor open and the windows on your top floor closed, well, it's still pretty easy for someone to break in. But if, let's say, now your front door is locked, your back door is locked, and all the windows on the, front, on the, on the first floor are closed, uh, but only one window on the third floor is open, okay, well, that's a, that's a vulnerability which you're okay to live with because it's very unlikely someone's going to break in and get through the third floor window. Um, so that that's the type of um, sort of approach that's needed is that you need to keep your systems as updated as possible. Again, that is a very effective technique in terms of reducing the likelihood and impact of a significant security incident. The third and last item, which uh, I'll list, is what I refer to or was referred to as multi-factor authentication. And this is especially true for those who are leveraging um, cloud-based email systems, so like Office 365 or Google, uh, uh, Google G Business Suite. Those types of accounts are just, they're, they're getting compromised left, right, and center because the majority of people use the same username and password that they use on other websites, which are compromised. And then hackers will take those um, credentials and just use it and try and break into Office 365 or G Business Suite accounts. Leveraging something like a, a um, multi-factor authentication, which takes the form of maybe a one-time PIN code, which is sent as an SMS text message, or you receive it as a call and you hear the, 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 the one-time PIN, or you have an authentic, what's referred to as an authenticator app on your phone or mobile device, uh, that serves as an additional layer of security. We have to go on the assumption that usernames and passwords are compromised. So that way, even if your username and password is compromised, Unless someone physically has access to your phone, they're not able to to crack into your email account. So all those reasons there are some of the most prevalent reasons and techniques for mitigating some of the the, the more common data thefts and cyber crimes that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. It's good to hear you say we should be updating stuff. I know a lot of people put it off because it can feel like it's going to just be time consuming or the notification pops up while you're kind of in the middle of something. But you're suggesting, you know, always update. Well, and and the thing is too uh, that uh, most of the the applications and operating systems now allow you to auto update. You know, it's not like how it was when you know when when we were growing up. I remember with you know Windows ninety five or Windows ninety eight that you had to take time to manually do the the updates. You know, they would it may it might warn you or give you a notification, but you would ignore it. You know, at least now you're able to either have that automated. Or there are IT tools that your IT team or your IT service provider can use for deploying those in a more automatic fashion. So it doesn't involve people having to manually apply those updates. 
You'd mentioned a term there, patching. Can you just explain quickly what that means? Yes, absolutely. So the patching means applying a fix to that underlying vulnerability. So, uh, you know, the way I refer to security patching is um, almost like akin to, like, let's say, with a newborn, you know, they get their they get their vaccines as they get older, you know, they get their flu shots. Um, you know, it's the types of things that, again, it's meant from a risk mitigation point of view in which any potential weakness can be mitigated by applying this fix or what's referred to as a patch in the, in the technical community. Awesome. So I wanted to back up a little bit too, because you'd mentioned um, a bit about the cloud. Yes. Do you recommend small, medium businesses ever using the cloud, things like Google Drive? What would you suggest for file sharing? Yeah, good question. And again, the the uh, the, the the sort of overarching response to that is it depends. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I always tell the SM, you know, um, B space in which if you're comparing, let's say, email in the cloud. So email in the cloud versus running your own on-premise email server, you know, Microsoft and Google, they can do security a hell of a lot better than, than the average SMB, a hell of than any SMB. So it's better in that case to trust the cloud uh, and to, to leverage their security capabilities. They are able to do that at a far better uh, job. In terms of sharing files, uh, yes, you know there's there's um, there's uh, great tools like ShareFile, uh, which is a very secure uh, transfer tool, which we always recommend for many of our clients. But before focusing on tools, you need to understand and go through what I refer to as a data mapping exercise, in which what type of data is going to be moved around. Because depending on the data, there may be privacy impl- implications um, that need to be looked at or understood. And again, I'm not a privacy pr- uh, a professional. I have great privacy friends who, who I always uh, refer to, to their expertise and guidance. But at a high level, as an example, you cannot store uh, Canadian uh, PII, so personally identifiable information, on Dropbox as an example, uh, because Dropbox is uh, all, all stored on U.S. data centers, and Canadian uh, uh, personal information cannot be stored uh, out on, in the U.S. Uh, or there's certain conditions in which it can be. Uh, so you know, th- th- and again, there's a lot more privacy implications there than it is underlying security implications. But again, those are a lot of questions that people just d- don't know to ask. Uh, so it's important to really understand, you know, the usability and the business requirements and the data privacy requirements um, in terms of, you know, what data is being stored, you know, in the quote-unquote cloud. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. I'm wondering if you could touch a little bit on some ways we can protect ourselves. I know you've kind of thrown bits here and there in there, but do you suggest things like, you know, we used to hear a lot about like firewalls and getting anti-malware solutions, things like that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the, the, a couple of ones I'm, I'm going to, I'll rehash with ones I've already said, and I'll, I'll add some other ones to that. But uh, so starting off, multi-factor authentication, even from a personal use perspective, for any of your email accounts, for any of your social media accounts, leverage multi-factor authentication. That is one of the single most effective techniques that you can use right now to prevent your account from being uh, hacked or compromised. Um, another tool to use is what's referred to as a password manager. So one of my personal favorites is something called LastPass. Another great tool uh, or another great password manager is called Dashlane. And really, these password managers, they almost serve as password vaults to a degree, uh, it allows people, rather than, rather than having to remember dozens of different passwords or you know, just remember a handful of you know, weak passwords, um, you just have to remember one good long password. And then when these password managers 
they can auto-create very secure passwords and will auto-populate for any online service that you access. At least that way, then, you don't, you don't have to remember, like I said, a bunch of different passwords or use a bunch of weak passwords, which is very common right now. And this is a very, very great technique, again, for reducing the likelihood of an online account being compromised. So th- those are my two personal favorite things to do from a, a um, password perspective. Security, pl- applying your security updates and or security patches, very important thing to do. Uh, and then the, the next one you hinted at uh, there, Morgan, was uh, installing or leveraging and what I refer to as just basic security software. So at home, you know, if you're using Windows 10, thankfully that has something awesome already built into it called Windows Defender. So you already have some great basic security software built in and it's providing you that real-time protection. If you're using a Mac or a Mac operating system, that doesn't come with something built in, unfortunately. Uh, one of my personal favorites uh, to, to use is a product called um, Sophos Antivirus for Mac. So Sophos is spelled S-O-P-H-O-S. And it's a really fantastic tool, uh, very lightweight, very easy to download, install. And again, it provides just good basic uh, protection uh, when it comes to um, uh, online threats, viruses, malware, that type of thing. All good things to use even on your personal computer at home. On, I have an iPhone, and sometimes if I'm on a new website and I'm making um, like a username password, it will suggest passwords. Would you recommend using that? Yeah, and that's a, that's a, that's a really great um, uh, tool to be able to help you use uh, or to create more secure passwords. But at the, at the end of the day, it's still it's not serving as a password vault or password manager. Uh, um, I, I, what we see as being very important with password managers is that it reduces the number of passwords people have to remember. And right now, there's this technique that the majority of people do or follow is that they reuse passwords on multiple sites. They'll use the same password for some online service that they signed up for once. They'll use the same username and password there that they use on their online banking. And online banking is infinitely more important Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that got compromised. Uh, So it's important there to be able to just use a password manager to auto-populate and to auto-create very secure passwords that you never even have to remember. Uh, it'll do that uh, automatically on the fly. Well, and especially if you signed up a long time ago, password requirements used to be very lax. And very different. So a lot of people have very, very simple passwords still. Exactly. Very true. Yep. Um, my last one for this episode is how often should we be backing up our information and where would you recommend backing information up to? So um, things like that, that kind of personal information, that data that companies might have. Oh, that's a good question to to, to end on. <laughs> uh, um, and again, this goes back to what I mentioned earlier about the, almost having a, a, a data, almost a, a, like a data mapping exercise where uh, before you even think about your what uh, where you're going to back up, you need to understand as an SMB what are we going to back up? What are the most important files? What are the most what's the most important data that this organization or this business uses uh, so we can back that up? There's no point backing up a whole bunch of Miley Cyrus MP3s or other un- unimportant data. You're, you're just wasting valuable space and valuable time in backing data up, which isn't mission critical. So have that go. Step one, identify that, that uh, uh, critical data. Step two is identify where it exists. So is it on laptops? Is it on servers? Is it in the cloud? Identify where it, where it exists. Next uh, one is uh, then work with your IT team, your IT service provider, and identify the best mechanism for uh, backing up that data and where it should be stored, what the uh, frequency should be, 
know, do you back that data up once a day, uh, once every hour, uh, once a week? Again, it depends on the data. Some data, um, you know, uh, for some organizations, if they lose an hour's worth of data, you know, that, that's, that's a big hit. Other organizations are, are okay losing several days' worth of data. It all depends on the context of the data and of your organization, but you need to go through that mental exercise. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing these tips so far. Um, definitely gives a lot to think about. Before we close out, though, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about you and your company and if anybody listening is interested in getting in touch, how they can do that. Absolutely, Morgan. So uh, so CyberSC uh, you know, was born to uh, serve the SMB community. And we provide what I refer to as cyber risk leadership services. So you know, the, you know, when you think about the average uh, small and mid-sized organization, you know, there isn't really someone in the leadership ranks who understands cyber risk. And again, that's, that's okay. You know, there's often someone who is the CEO, the CFO, uh, the COO. Um, these are people who, who are very good at what they do, and they're focusing on the growth of their organization. Uh, unlike large organizations who tend to have in-house cybersecurity leadership, Smaller organizations don't, and that's where we help fill that void in which you know we take that risk portfolio off the shoulders of the CFO or the business owner or the CEO, allow them to focus on what they need to do to grow their business, and then we own that that portfolio. So we then serve as a uh, in-house chief information security officer. So we take control of that that risk. We, from a technical side, work with their IT team, work with their IT service provider to make sure the right security controls are in place. We make sure that we do the right governance and oversight and due diligence. So that allows us at the strategic level to own that risk portfolio uh, so businesses and business leaders can feel better knowing that uh, it's in the hands of people who, who truly understand what cybersecurity uh, means and, 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 and does for an organization. So I always love it when people reach out to me, uh, whether it be just to say hello, you know, it's for a quick question. Um, I'm, I'm not going to just say, no, you have to pay me. Uh, I'm a firm believer in helping the broader community, especially the SMB community. Please feel free to reach out, uh, whether that be through our website, uh, cyber.sc, reaching out to me via email, uh, devogo.cyber.sc, or even better, engaging with us on our social media platforms, and particularly LinkedIn, where I spend a lot of my uh, uh, time. You can look up the CyberSC LinkedIn page or even look up uh, me on uh, on LinkedIn. And we put out what I feel is fantastic daily content on a daily basis, and we tackle different uh, security topics, uh, again, speaking it in the way which will resonate with non-technical people. You know, it's meant to help inform the business community. And, you know, you can go back to our LinkedIn feed and see all the videos that we've done. Like I said, we, we do one every day that maps back to our YouTube page. Uh, and there's a ton, a ton of great free information there. So even if you never become a client, I think you can learn a heck of a lot and start applying a lot of what we uh, share in our content uh, at your organization. Fantastic. Very capable hands. Something like that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for everything today. This has absolutely flown by and I will agree that you took a topic I knew very little about and have made this such a breeze. So thank you again. Morgan, thank you so much. Can't wait for part two. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Small Business Mastermind. As a reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast by visiting olympiabenefits.com slash podcast or hitting subscribe or follow on the podcast app of your choosing. As well, I want to give a big thank you to our guest, Dominic Vogel, and you can check all of his information out in the podcast description. We'll be back with Dominic again in a couple weeks to talk more cybersecurity, so stay tuned for that. 
Finally, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and can take a second to hit the follow button or give us five stars, it really helps grow the podcast and allow us to bring on guests like Dominic. All right, that's all I have for you today. Thank you again for listening, and I'll be talking to you again very soon. Bye.